Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Minor Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, live with the one and only Alex Nicholas, who's getting all riled up right here pre-show, talking about... That's my favorite sports subject besides recruiting is jerseys. <laughs> I mean, that, that just can't... <laughs> this guy's talking about doing a uh, Conference USA power rankings for jerseys. I think... I really I like a couple of the threads. I've talked about the Marshall one with you right now. I think UTEP is the top one. And it's just something that always catches me, man. I, I don't know what it is. I guess maybe just – I think one of my favorite times playing sports coming up was that uniform day. Let me ask you this. Can uh, can your power rankings be held with alternate jerseys or does it got to be jerseys that they see, actually that, use? That's what I was going at to see, whether I wanted, where I wanted to go with each team's best jersey or each team's – Set of jerseys. That's where I ha- why I haven't gone to the conclusion. Yeah. Because if we go sets of jerseys, that's gonna take a little longer, more thought process. But if you go, I could. I already told you who I think have the best actual alternates or whatever. So that's that's kind of the big million dollar question as far as this poses is. Where do I do I target jersey sets? Because I mean, there's some teams that may have one ugly set of, or one piece jersey that's ugly, but they have a couple other sets, so I some thoughts, I gotta get my mind right for that one. Uh, but getting into the show here, we got a good one planned for you again. Last week was a huge episode, man. We appreciate it. I don't know how we're going to follow listen. that up. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know how we're going to follow it up, but we will start here soon in a few minutes with uh, Coach UTEP Assistant Basketball Coach Ken DeWeese. We'll be on with this talking some UTEP basketball. Uh, National Signing Day is coming gone, though. Let's start off with a little bit of football. National Signing Day is coming gone, and and things kind of quiet down here for a second. You still hear some names as far as, you know, we talked about the preferred walk-ons last week that might be making their way onto the roster. And, you know, you're still trying to try to figure everything out, but um, things things kind of quiet down. But at the same time, exactly what's going to happen with this team as far as how the roster is going to shake out, um, where the depth chart's going to be at. Spring ball is going to be around the corner here. Ooh, can wait. And things are really going to start getting interesting. So you put up a post recently on Minor Rush talking about the depth chart. What do you think, man? What were the spots that stood out to you? I know you pointed out that we got a lot of freshmen on this team, both both true and redshirt. So what what else stood out to you? I think that and the fact that that junior class is really where the bulk of you're going to see most of the starters and most of the contributors, producers, however you want to use that. I think those are the two big things is, is is those two, but in between is the balance, I think, of all. You know, Cougar talked about it when he came in, how he had just so many unbalanced numbers with defense, offense, so many receivers, linemen. Uh, you know, I think in short time, in three years, this may be – this may be what he wants and may what we may be getting used to out of a UTEP. Uh, you know, if you go down the position group, where I put 21, 21 offensive linemen, 18 defensive linemen. Uh, you know, 18 or was it 14 linebackers and, and 16 defensive backs. Those stand out to me because those that that, that is what's going to help this program win because it's we talk about scheme so much, we talk about fit so much when it comes to the UTEP football program, and that's really what stands out to me because you have your older guys that are fitting in there. And then you look at, at all the redshirt freshmen they're going to have in those positions. You're going to have four redshirts in the defense on the secondary. You're going to have three redshirt li- uh, linebackers, three redshirt defensive linemen, and six redshirt offensive linemen. That really stands out to me is kind of that balance of depth where you have guys that are already established three-year, two-year letterman, and then you have these freshman guys that are going to come in and, and I wouldn't really say stopgap, but they're going to fill up the depth chart at the bottom of it. And these are guys that you're going to see become starters. So it's just great balance is, is 
doing this post and, and researching and looking and breaking down that roster, the balance of old and young and guys that are going to step up this year and the guys that are going to step up in the future, that really stood out to me big time when I was doing a little, little homework on this little post here that y'all see. And and I definitely agree with you. And, you know, one thing that Kugler made clear in in his press conference when he was announcing a new class is how he's going to be attacking the trenches every single year, offense, defense, line. line. Get used to it. Exactly. Get used to it. Exactly how he put it. Um, and and that, that's a good place to build, especially for the style of, of program or the style of offense and defense that, that we want to be. So so it's definitely exciting to see that and how the depth is shaking out there. Uh, I'm still interested to see how this whole quarterback thing is gonna is gonna take you know shape because we talked about last week we talked to Kavika Johnson on the podcast and and we feel like he's one that definitely will have an opportunity to come in and start right away. Uh, it's not to say that he is, but he's gonna be competing for that starting job come spring, and and that's an area where we don't have a lot of experience. You got left which who played in a few games in his freshman year, but I don't really think... I don't count that as experience because he was turning around having the ball. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That is true. But, you know, you got Leftwich, you got a guy like Simpson, who's got the... Who should be the in-house leader at this point. He should be, and he's got that prototypical quarterback size that you want nowadays at, what, 6'5"? 6'7". Is he 6'7"? 6'7". I want to even say it might even say 2'15". Yeah, that's what he's got on the roster. 6'7", 2'15". That's huge. I don't even know if that's prototypical. That's huge. But, you know, he's, he's a real big guy. Uh, he's been in the system for – is this his fourth year? It's going to be his third under – no. Because he, he came in under Price. Yeah, he, this is his third so in cooler system, but he's been around for quite a while. You know, he's a guy that definitely deserves a, a look. Um, you've got a guy who you were high on last year in spring ball and, and – Oh, actually, was it last year? Wait, in camp, right? Ryan Matt, in, in camp, camp Ryan in camp, yeah. Um, so that whole battle is gonna gonna be interesting to see how it shakes out. I think Kavika is gonna be the the leader. I think Garrett Simpson is gonna be right there battling with him. But I just feel the system that we're gonna be running, the schemes that we're gonna be running, I think Kavika fits that much better. So as long as he has a good a good spring, I do think he's the one that's gonna come out on top. But th- that is is the one area of concern that I have right now because. Even if it is Kavika, you're putting the the future of your program into a true freshman. And that is always tough, no matter how talented they are. And no matter how talented the defense is going to be next year, how talented the offensive line is going to be next year. I mean, this is it to me, my opinion of it, he kind of walks into a perfect situation as far as kind of play just kind of like Jamil Showers did, where they can kind of shelter him in a sense because the defense is going to be good again next year. They're going to there's be a couple of new pieces along the defensive line that they got to work out and in the secondary. But I think that core of that defense coming back, the offensive line, obviously AJ and Aaron Jones is coming back. You got the LaFossa brothers. So it, that's kind of it's maybe kind of be a stretch when I say that, where he just kind of has to come in and not really mess up because he's going to have some in, inexperienced uh, skill guys on the outside. Like I mentioned, there's the only three seniors out of the skill position is Atre Golden, Jeremiah LaFossa, and MJ McFarland. He's going to have a whole new catalog of young receivers that saw time last year as blockers. They really didn't get time running patterns. Every time he saw that, it was always Jaquan White was a junior, and you had uh, Shaw and, and Hamilton. Those guys were the older guys who it seemed like they trust more in the passing game. So, I mean, that, that's it's just – 
it, it adds in some more intrigue to me because of the, all the new pieces of the receiver that they're going to mix in. Like I said, a lot of these guys saw time last year, but they were mainly blockers because of their energy, because of their way, the way they can get down and get low and, and block and use their feet and use their leverage. But really, that it, that's to me, that's the bigger thing is, of course, the quarterback, but who's he going to be his targets? Who's going to step up? Will we see an Elliott Oldham come in and just tear things up and, and everybody just kind of follow suit behind him? Will we see a guy like that I really want to to explode from El Paso, Cole Freytag, a guy that's been in and out of the lineup, sort of, you know, he's in one of those blocker type of guys. So to me, yeah, the quarterback position is great, but I just think how how they how is it going to be used? We've talked about this before. That's kind of my biggest biggest question because I think if you go with Simpson, you can kind of Simpson has that athleticism, but you can kind of go back to that pro style under center. You don't have to use the spread as much. But Kavika Johnson's a spread quarterback. He we've seen his film. It looks almost like identical to the offense Utah ran. So. It's uh the only and I think the thing with Kavika is he won't show up until until the fall. Yeah. So he's true. gonna be behind. That's true. Depending on where they go in the spring. So if a guy like Ryan Metz has a hell or you know, even anybody, if any of these guys just come out there and sling it around and have a great spring game, great practices, you know, Kavika's sort of behind in a sense, but I still I like I wrote I was talking to I think it was Eastside Larry the other day. I don't think Kavika Johnson came in a red shirt. Yeah, I, I, I really think don't think so. I completely agree with that, and I don't think that they told him that in the recruiting process. Yeah. You know, I don't think they, they, they said, hey, you know what, there's a good possibility you're going to redshirt. I think they told him there's a good possibility you're going to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the fact of it. When you got a guy that has was offered by a number of other Division One programs that would love to have his services as a freshman, um, I think I think he definitely – not that he was promised, but he was told, look, you do well, you're, you're going to be the leader heading into fall. And, and so – I mean, and that's that's fine with me. I'm just it, it's going to be interesting to see how he develops over the summer into the fall. Because again, it, no matter how you look at it, no matter how talented he is, he's a freshman. And and a different thing is, you know, we look at a guy like Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones came in as a freshman as well, and and just took that by the horns and, and took the starting job from Nathan Jeffrey. And and I kind of see him in a similar boat as far as hey, you come over here, you're going to have some, exactly. some real good playing time. You're possibly going to be the starter. And so he, and he took that opportunity and he ran with it, literally. And and so I kind of compare it to that a little bit. However, it's a little different at the running back spot yeah. because you got to take the ball and you got to go run with it. And if you're good at that, then you're going to be good at that. When you are the quarterback and you have to worry about reading defenses and studying film and, you know, just breaking defenses down and being able to determine, you know, what coverage they're in and, and where you should go and your options and this and that. And you know, add to that, the, the trust that Cougar has to put in you in the system, yeah, too. definitely. And it's just tough. It takes time. So as a freshman, man, I mean, look, there's 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 guys that do it, but it's not easy at all. And, and I think just naturally there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be a, a growth process that we're going to have to go through, some growing pains that we're going to have to go through with him. And I think they'll kind of babysit him a bit for the start. Oh, yeah. You know, they'll kind of oh, they'll yeah. kind of take it back just a little bit before they just go ahead and give him the reins, unless he shows right off the bat that he can handle just like Aaron, it. Just, just like Aaron just Jones. Like Aaron just Jones. like Aaron Jones. Um, but, again, it's just going to be an interesting process. I mean, that's the, that's the one thing I can say. You know, moving away from the depth chart a little bit, I, I want to take a step back and talk about this recruiting class that we have because we got into it a little bit. I made some comments. I'm sure some of y'all saw it out there on, on Minor Rush that I probably shouldn't have said. I actually deleted my comment. And oh, I, I didn't even know this. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't, man. Because I told my wife what happened. You know, I was over there typing, and I told her, she's like, what did you do? 
She's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like, it's, it's, I shouldn't have done it. So my bad. I apologize for that. But, uh, but yeah, man, that UTSA troll, which uh, he still hasn't admitted that he's from UTSA, but I think it's pretty obvious now. Um, and he was hating on our class. And in a sense, he's got a reason to. Yeah. I mean, most of these experts, recruiting experts out there, quote, unquote, have UTEP ranked somewhere near the bottom in, in all of Division One? I. I mean, literally, I believe Rivals had us as the dead, it was dead last. And I want to know what your take on that is, because in my opinion, that's not the case. But it's hard to argue against it. You know, it's because there's a lot of guys on this list that nobody's heard of. None, yeah. of, those, none of those recruiting analysts. But like Cougar said, they do their homework. I mean, there's a reason why they're Division One athletes. You know what I mean? And, and to me, like I like I commented on there. I think at, at this level, unless you're a marshal and you're pulling in, you know, proven three sub three sub four star players, then I think yeah, then you can say that you're, you know, a top recruiting whatever in a mid major. But mid major, group of five, power five, football, whatever you want to call it. But group of five, I think the ratings are just bogus because you look at a team like Utah State and ever since the the recruiting rankings and all the classes have been finalized, everybody's coming with their composite rankings over yeah. Pesco Beers. Utah State's in the ninety in the nineties. Utah State's won what three or four straight bowl games? Yeah. Not fresh on my yeah, mind. And that's a, that's a great point. And, and it's and it's about their fits, you look at their defense. I wrote about it in the preview. They had NFL size on their defense. Now, I, I, not grounded, maybe not NFL talent. The Vigil Brothers are definitely NFL talent. But, you know, it's really about your fit. You know, that's a perfect example of Utah. They're composite four-year, composite whatever these recruiting gurus put. They were in the 90s. At this level of football, it doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Now, when you get up to your Oklahomas and your Alabamas, that can dictate wins and losses. It, it's kind of proven. Yeah, you no doubt see about it. it. But at this level, I think those recruits, like I said, unless you're a marshal where you've been consistent, 10 and 1, 12 and 1 seasons, however they've gone over the past couple years with Rakeem Cato, and now they're bringing in these top recruits because of that, then yes. Then, Mars, you can say legitimately Marshall has a great recruiting class. Just because UTSA has the fourth best recruiting class in CUSA, to me, that's 37 freshmen that are unproven from kind of schools that were. There were sub two stars that kind of got left behind the bigger school, so it's really hard to say. It's impressive that UTSA could grab thirty seven players. Don't don't get me wrong; I'm not knocking that hustle, but it's hard to judge that at this level. It really is. You can go to a Tennessee or a Texas and look at a kid and see their recruiting class, and it and it will show. Most of the time, it will show. But I think at this level, you just got to throw those ratings out the window. I mean, it's really about systems and fits and. and Finding that right kind of mix at this level and not yeah. knocking it, not saying none of these kids couldn't go on and play somewhere else because some of them could. Some of them could. They just were overlooked, be it their area, be it you know other players on their team. However you want to flip it around, but to me it just. I mean Utah State is a perfect example, and that's how I'll rest my case when anything comes up on recruiting rankings at group of five schools. And, and I, I can't agree with you anymore. I mean I think you said it perfect. I, I, and I think the main thing is, the, the, the whole thing is the rankings are flawed in the first place. Because like you talked about, look, yes, when you got five-star, four-star, three-star guys that get all this attention, all this notoriety, and they're, they're noticed, watched, recruited, uh, it's easy to say, yeah, well, you got those players, then you have a better class. I can understand that. And that's why you see most of these Power Five conferences up there at the top. But once, once you cross that three-star threshold, even in the three three star you know players, it, it's just it's so blurred 
the lines are so blurred of who is what and who is better than who and all that kind of stuff. And number one, it is so impossible to 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 try to rank every single player in this country. You just can't. So just because a guy didn't get noticed and ranked doesn't mean he's not as good as that two or three star guy or even some four star guys, whatever it might be. You know, it it, it what's what's even worse is I guess we, we, we don't get noticed in the rankings, and that's proven by the last – if you go back over the last 10, 12 years in Utah recruiting, we've only been in the top 90 in the country twice. One year when we had Nathan, uh, Nathan Jeffrey, I believe, and the other year – I think it was Jeffrey and Leslie that year, and the other year was uh, like 2004. One, I think it was Price's first or second year. Those were the only two years we were in the top 90, and we were only like 88 and 83. So, I mean, it's not like this is new that, that you know, schools outside of the top five conferences are ranked near the bottom, you know, or UTEP is ranked near the bottom. It doesn't mean we're not getting good players or players that fit what we need, but we're just not going to get that notoriety. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't mean shit, to be honest it with really you. Doesn't. It really doesn't. Because if you look at those four five-star guys, I mean, they're going to six or seven camps before they even play a down of their junior year of yeah. high school. So, of course... You're not going to get that. I, I, just for an example, no disrespect to Forrest Dixon, but you look at a guy like uh, the, the the linebacker uh, the linebacker last year, uh, Malik Jefferson, okay. that signed with Texas. I mean, Malik Jefferson went to camp after camp after camp after camp. Forrest Dixon, I bet you didn't have that luxury of going to camp after camp. He just had to go off of his huddle page like yeah. you talked about. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it, it, it's, it, I wouldn't say it's a flawed system. I think it's it's a a flawed ranking system, like you said, when you get to under the three stars, because some of those three to two star guys aren't going to get the same invites, like mm-hmm. you know the top recruits that we saw signed this past year. So I mean, yeah, it's it's. It, I mean, it, it's like a popularity contest. It is. It's exactly The more beautiful you are coming off the bus, the better stars you get. And, and to prove it, to prove it, not a single school outside the Power Five is ranked in the top sixty recruiting classes in the nation. Not one school outside the power five. I saw a tweet today where they said, oh, who was it? It was, it was one of the lower tiers in, in SEC that they were ninth in the SEC in recruiting, but they were still in the top 20. Yeah, it's in ridiculous. Nation. That's, that's, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But I guess that's, that's, uh, that's a conversation for another day, I guess. I don't know, man. It, it kind of gets to me. You know, that kid that, that came from UTSA kind of gets to me, but – all I got to say to him, man, recruiting, whatever, recruiting classes, this and that, 34-0, bro. Remember that? 34-0, man. And, but you know what, dude? I I kind of love how, how the whole UTSA thing started to become like a – I mean, I won't call it a rivalry yet because they got to be able to beat us at something consistently before we can call it a rivalry, you know? They haven't beat us in basketball. And football, they had one win, but, hey, that was a rebuilding year for us, so – I mean, but I do enjoy it. It's it's like he tried to take a shot saying that it's like he was trying to compare. Yeah. But like I told him, there was only two recruiting battles that UTEP and UTSA were. I I think it even went down to one to that Josiah Tafaya, to, to I think, because the other kid that they were after, I can't remember his name. I think he went. He didn't even go to UTSA. So we, you can't even at UTSA, North Texas, La Tech, they recruit in the same circles. UTEP was nowhere near, but maybe one, two, uh, Michael Harrison with North Texas. That's maybe the only one. So, I mean, yeah, you're going to come through those recruiting battles. I think that's more, more the thing he was saying is, oh, we can 
create more territories than you. But it's not about that. It's about wins at this level. Exactly. It's about wins at this level. But and you know what? I'll say this about UTSA's recruiting class, man. Uh, Thirty-seven freshmen means that's, means it, it's a good it's a good thing to be able to pull that many people. But that means one thing. That means you're you're not going to be very experienced. It almost means you're in a rebuilding year, big time. And you're coming off a pretty bad season. So were you expected, or a lot of people were I already mean, crowning them conference champs? There's not a whole lot to be bragging about right now. Is my point? No, not at all. Not anyway, at all. And not even and not even for us either. But I mean. The cover we'll is pretty them, cool. We'll see them again pretty soon here in basketball Couple as we weeks. transition over to UTEP Hoops. Coming up this week, February 12th, which is tomorrow, Charlotte, 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, right here in the Don Haskins Center. Um, that should be an interesting game. Obviously, Charlotte has been struggling, but at this point, I, I, I can't look past anybody. Nope. You know, you just never know who's going to come out for the minors. And obviously, depth has been a huge issue, and it continues to become more of an issue. Um, so, Charlotte tomorrow night. We'll have Coach Ken DeWeese on here in just a couple minutes to talk about that. We're having but late practice. So. Late practice. Um, what do you see tomorrow night, man? Charlotte 49ers, Fiaria Henry coming in. We've talked about Henry all year long. I think it's been a letdown season for him, not so much coming just from him, but the fact that his team has just been so, so bad, man. I don't think anybody – you see the losses start piling up early in the conference season. And you're like, oh, okay, they're going to come around. They, they lost a That's couple. all I've waited for. They're going to come around. They're going to come around. And they just don't. They just don't. You know, most recently coming off a tough loss at Old Dominion, 61-57 last uh, Saturday. Um, and actually, Henry's actually – I guess he is having an offseason because he's not even averaging double figures, is he? I don't. I wrote that he did, but I'm trying to look. This thing is loading, but he's still average. He's still averaging five rebounds, five assists. That's kind of what he does. But I mean, this team they, they've had their struggles. He's right at ten points. Right at ten points. I, I figure because he he's still. I mean, he's still. They have a very capable roster. I wrote in the game preview today. This is the. To, I feel that this is a game for the first time in the conference late. I really feel UTEP is outmatched with their personnel. They've had some kind of – I don't even know if you could call it rough luck with the way that they've lost games. You know, they've lost so many close games this year. Going back to the non-conference, Penn State in double overtime, Miami, Georgetown, Georgia Tech lost all within three points within a possession. And then you go into their conference road games where they lose four games by a combined 20 points, one in overtime at UAB, a three-pointer to Middle Tennessee. And then if they hit some free throws in the last game against Old Dominion. So this is a team that it's kind of – the way I look at it, it's kind of weird. This is like where UTEP would have been if some of those games where they didn't come through, where 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 UTEP could be on the on the flip side of where it's they're like, at. It's like I told you a couple a couple days ago. I texted you and I said, you know, so easily, man, so easily, a couple breaks go our way, a couple balls bounce our way, and 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 we're sitting at twenty and three right now, you know. And instead, and that's our own fault, in my opinion, that yeah. we're not because we can't rely on just breaks. You got to go make the plays. I understand that. But, you know, just saying, you know, you're uh, – oh, we as we watch VCU and LaSalle going into double overtime. But, but yeah, so, you know, a couple breaks go our way, which, again, we can't rely on that. But a couple breaks go our way. We're sitting at 20 and 3 right now. But a couple breaks go the other way, and we lose a couple of these close games, even starting with, like, Kent State in the, in the oh. Don Haskins tournament. You're sitting at you know maybe twelve and eleven or something, and and then you're thinking, man, what has gone wrong with this season? So we're right on the on, on the on the cusp, man. We we had some 
some games go our way, and if a couple more did, then we'd be sitting pretty. And if a couple more didn't, we'd be in a lot of trouble right now. And that's kind of where Charlotte is. I think that's exactly where that. I mean, they're they're just it's it kind of you can put this maybe their coaching situation with Alan Major having health issues. Hope he can get back on the court. You know, I I really think he's a good coach. You know, I I have a lot of respect for that guy. You know, this is just a talented team. What they have, you look at it, they had nine letter winners return, four starters, but. Their fresh, their true freshman is leading them in scoring, and their transfer Braxton Oboise is are their two leading scorers. You would think with that, you would think, damn, yeah. that's this team is rolling. If you're having two newcomers, and they're, and they're, and they're nine deep. Oh yeah, they go nine deep at least. That's why I think this sometimes they even bring a tenth off the bench. But they got seven players that go 20-plus minutes a game and another couple that go 10, 12, 14 minutes. So you got nine players that play on a regular basis. And you're going up against a team in UTEP that is, I mean, it, it, seven and a half right now until Star Wars comes around. Right? Yeah, even sense. at that, I mean, I guess you got to give Hooper the credit say, for last week and say that he's come up big and, and been that that seventh man off the bench. Um, and it is true, his play without his play, the last two games we probably don't win. The first, the the the, the first game uh, against FAU when he had nine points, five rebounds in the first ten minutes of the game. He was kind of the only reason we were in that game yep. because we were struggling to find anything. And, but, like, and like you told me, you would think with Hooper being halfway yeah, to a double exactly, double, we'd be up there. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. And the same thing last game. You know, he scores twelve. Right? Was it twelve? He goes off for twelve points. You think again? We're up fifteen. We win by fifteen. It was a quiet and five of five from the field. And at that, I mean, very quiet. But yeah, Hooper deserves a lot of credit. And if we can get Ken the uh, Deweese on, definitely. I know Deweese is as a guy that works with the big man. He, the big man he deserves a lot of credit too. But I mean, that's. That's been a big part in, in UTEP's lack of depth is, is who, instead of being uh, not a disability, but a liability, he's become an asset. And, yeah, and, yeah. and like we said, if he continues this and Matt Wilms comes exactly. back, I mean, there's some weapons yeah, on the exactly. team going forward. But as of right now, that depth against Charlotte is going to be tested because, you know, that you look at their two guys that they had last year in Mike Thorne Jr., and Willie Clayton, and I really love Willie Clayton. I think this guy is is a prototypical college big man, can rebound it, can score it. Those guys both combined for 20 boards last year against UTEP. And not only that, but they have um, they have another transfer, Bernard Sullivan from Clemson. That's, he was missed time with a concussion. His past two games, he's averaged he's five five rebounds in each game in his, in his uh, return. So their depth down low could be a big, big issue for UTEP because they've had trouble keeping guys at the paint in stretches, not all the way around. We've seen it uh, start at the FAU game where they had kind of struggled, then they were able to shut them down for a stretch. Same thing in the FIU game. Matchups are just it, – I, 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 I don't know how Coach Lloyd can sleep this week or any of the coaches. I mean, this is a scary – scary matchup with the personnel, not just maybe their ability, just their personnel, because like you said, they run nine guys deep and all nine have that, to me, I'll have the ability to take over a game in their respective, whether it's in the paint, whether it's in the outside, basically doing their job at a high level. Very, very nerve wracking. I mean, how do you kind of see Floyd kind of countering with countering with what he has? He's probably the master out it. How I do mean, you, see it? you know, the biggest thing is it's not so much about, strategy as far as X's and O's in my opinion. It's about keeping guys fresh, keeping guys out of foul trouble. Because look, you're at a disadvantage as it is when you got your seven footer out, you're down to seven players, you know, Vince I mean uh Vince is, is banged up, Sed is banged up, 
I mean, you're just like, at this point, you're just trying to stay afloat, really, you know? And so it's more about just keeping guys fresh, trying to strategize to, to keep them in the game as long as possible. You know, we've seen it a few times already. You know, said foul was said fouled out, right? Last was it last game? I think he did. So, you know, you get something like that. You he have had four fouls most of them. Exactly. He picked it up like two or three minutes into yeah. the second half. And you, you have something like that happen in a game like this where they've got a better presence down low. Now you're in some real trouble. And so that's where it comes into just being able to run guys in and out like he did last week against Middle Tennessee um, and just keep guys fresh and just try to keep them as, as, as best you can, keep them out of foul trouble. That's where I see this, this, this game being won. Um, because, again, if, if we're not able to stay out of foul trouble and we're not able to stay fresh, we're going to have a, a hard time keeping up with you. And I think on that foul trouble, too, kind of what I wrote in the game preview is there is so that way they have that ability to not only be on the floor but contest shots. Yeah. Because you have both Thorne and Clayton averaging over 50% field goal percentage, which means they're getting everything from the inside, which means they're not probably missing very much if it's not contested. So to me, exactly like you said, but on the keeping guys fresh, keeping guys on the floor, but to be able to play defense and not having three fouls and having Clayton make this great move and you just got to put your hands up and you can't contest yeah. because you have three fouls and Vince on the bench for three fouls and, and, and Hunter's on the bench. You know what I mean? You know, to me, one it's of, more one of, of my bigger concerns, though, um, is is this team's lack of a killer instinct. Yeah. That's, that, that's really what gets me, man. Um We've talked about it all season long about how, oh, the Miners should have won. They should have done this better. They should have. And a lot of people say, you know, we're just not that good. Or you have the the, the orange tinted glasses on or something <laughs> like that. You know, maybe we do, man. Maybe we're sipping the Kool-Aid. That's fine. But but honestly, honestly, you look at this team and you look at the way that they played in stretches and you know that they're that good. It's not It's not just a bias. It's not just being a homer. You know, they are that good. You look at Vince Hunter at times and the guy looks like he is – Red NBA ready. Of course, we know that he's not now, but I'm just saying, you know, you see stretches where you see glimpses of of, of greatness out of this team. And and I look at a game like FIU, we run out to a double digit, was it 14 point? What did, I don't know we ended up leading, but I think it was 14 off the top of my head. And then, you know, they, we let them close it to nine, and then five minutes into the second half, it's a two-point game. And, and, and that cannot happen, you know? When you only have seven players, you can't let teams hang around. You have to go put them away, put them away early, break their will, and, and especially with a team like Charlotte. Look, Charlotte is, is – they may be 10 and 13, but they're dangerous. They're not 10 and 13. <laughs> they're, not, they're, they're better than that, yep. you know, but they, they're a dangerous team, and you cannot let them hang around the way you did at FIU. FIU is what their record says they are, in my opinion. No disrespect, but I just think they're not there yet. Charlotte has the pieces. They've just been unable to put it together. Yeah. And and so you cannot let a team like Charlotte hang around like you've done the last few games because they will end up coming back to bite you. And, and again, you know, it's just that lack of the killer instinct that, that we we just, I don't know, we haven't seen it. And I, and I don't get it because we've got so many guys that have the ability, but somehow we just always seem to, quote, unquote, go cold. And is it really that? Do we really just go cold or they just kind of lose their intensity? I think that I, yeah, that's really been one of it. Talking with some of my friends that don't have no affiliation with Minor Rush, but they're big Minor fans, and that's been our biggest knock on Floyd's teams over the past couple of years is that thing where you get up 14, 15, and it's like, all right, let's stretch this to 20. Let, yeah, let's be greedy. Let's stretch this to 30, and let's get Tafoya some game time. You know, just yeah. throwing for the past couple of seasons, and, and it's been like that with this core, and that's 
that's maybe a concern this time of year because, like you said, when you have a team like FIU and you're on a win streak and you need to gain not only a W in the win column but confidence going forward to a big road trip, you know, it, it just it doesn't bode well, in, in my opinion. But that that's something that's got to show up this week because you have two teams that if you don't bury that hatchet, if you don't kick that door in, they're going to fight you right back. And, and that, you know, there's so many – Things of, of a season that you go on, free throw shooting, uh, defense, rebounding. You know, you see these little things. And the next thing, I think, for this team to take it to that next level is that killer instinct. And it's there. They have the pieces. They have some alpha dogs there. It's time to it's time to put it on. It, you know, it's time to get hot. And, and it's also time to talk to Kendall. It is. And and this is something that we've talked about, man. They're in the middle of a stretch. that They have a big-time opportunity here to come up with some big wins and, and put together a real a, – Big-time winning streak headed into possibly the biggest game of the season at Louisiana Tech. We're going to now be joined by UTEP assistant head coach, Ken DeWeese. Coach, how are you doing tonight? Late practice, huh? Doing good, yeah. We uh, we have to start at 5 o'clock uh, because of our our senior guys are taking a class, you know, to graduate. So we got to work around that and make sure those guys can, can take the, that class and be actual student-athletes. Well, we appreciate you taking some time out and come join us, talk to us. Of course, you've been on a few times with us already, but we always appreciate it. No problem. So, Coach, a four-game winning streak, you know, anytime, you know, you hate to go too, too far back, but you lose two on the road, you come back, you win four straight. You know, a lot of people from the outside can kind of start pointing at, oh, well, they're shooting free throws better. Oh, well, they're shooting the ball better, but... To me, seeing this team practice, you guys have a great practice team. How much has the intense practices, the meetings, and all the other stuff that fans don't get to see, how intense has that been to get this team sort of back on track in a sense, winning four straight, heading into this tough stretch? You know, it's been good. And and I'll tell you what, what happens in college basketball, and specifically with a Tim Floyd coach team, and this is why, you know, everybody talks about, oh, they're always better at the end of the season and stuff like that. When when you get – to the end of the year, and this is most coaches in America, um, your practices are going from, you know, two hours, two and a half hours, sometimes three hours, you know, at the, the start of the season, the doldrums of the season. Um, so you're getting these compacted hour, hour and a half, maybe hour 45, and two hours at the absolute most practices where guys know it's going to be short. You come in there, you hit on your stuff. There's not as much teaching. You're really focused on your next opponent, what they're doing, how you're trying to guard their actions, how you're, what you're going to do offensively against what they do defensively. And it's, it's just a lot more – there's a much more narrow focus on, on what you're trying to do. Coach, the team has obviously had some injuries as of late. Right now the big thing is, you know, Matt out for at least a number of weeks, not exactly sure when he'll be available. But, one, how has that affected this team as far as preparation goes? And and two, it, can you give us any kind of a status update or anything on Matt Wilms? Well, with Matt, you know, that, hey man, they got these FERPA laws and stuff now. You got you can't say much, but uh, now with Matt, you know, they'll just go back. He's got the cast on and the boot, as everybody can see. They'll go back and uh, here in in a, in a little bit in the next week or two weeks and uh, and look at it and see how this how his uh, stress fracture is healing up. So. Um, as far as that goes, I mean, we won't know anything until they take that cast off and look at it. So, um, hopefully, hopefully he's healed enough to be able to, to come back. And, you know, if not, we obviously aren't going to put him in a bad situation where he could further injure himself and, and not be a hundred percent. So <clears throat> we're just kind of waiting to see what happens with that. Um, but as far as the bigger picture of, 
of everybody because we're you know we're a little banged up and Vince has got his his issues and says got their issues. So those guys are going to have because they're big physical guys. But uh, we're we're constantly trying to maximize what we can do in a short amount of time with a good intensity level that keeps us sharp. But at the same time, we don't want to we don't want to overwork our guys, overtrain our guys at this point to where you are you are looking at you know a little bang up or a little bruise becoming an actual injury, and and that's that's the fine line, that's the razor's edge that you kind of have to try and walk. Now, when Matt did go down, there was some conversation about potentially. I know Coach mentioned it. Coach Floyd mentioned it in the post game presser. Uh, potentially pulling some red shirts. How how did that conversation go with some of these players, and what ultimately uh, led you all to the decision to just go ahead and roll with the guys that you've got? Well, ultimately it came down to, you know, do we feel like it was fair and worth it for these guys who we redshirted for a reason because we feel like they can help us in the future? Was it going to be the right decision to pull them out um, you know, for the last 10 games of the season. And, you know, when it really came down to it, we felt like we, we would be able to, to weather um, a mass injury, you know, with an increased role for Hooper Vent, who's, who's really done well, and, um, and, and, and just be able to make it through. And, you know, the rotation's a little different. We've had to play small a little bit um, and go with, with some lineups where we've had, like, you know, almost like Vince guarding a, a five-man or, or Seth or, or Hooper or whoever and then playing Julian at the four. Um, which buys us minutes for for whichever two bigs are off on the bench and without trouble or with fatigue. So um, we never we talked about it. It was batted around. Um, it was mentioned, but I, ultimately, I don't think it ever really got really serious. Where it's like, okay, we got to make the call today. You know. Yeah. Talk about all you talk about all you know the the decision and, and all this, and, and then you have a guy like Hooper Vent who's just sitting there and. and has really played, I believe, his best basketball of his UTEP career. I mean, what is, is it? What, what is it? Is it practices? Is it just opportunity? Is it a fire? I mean, what, 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 what do you see out of Hoop? And it's kind of brought him out of his shell, I guess you can kind of say. Well, I think the fact that that he can just go out there and play, and he knows for the most part, especially when other guys are in foul trouble or whatever, that he's going to have to play. He's not coming off the floor, at least for you know decent spells of time. So. I think that's helped a lot with his confidence. Um, the biggest thing with Hoop has never been talent. It's never been athleticism. It's, you know, are you going to go out here and be physical? Are you going to be a really strong defender? Um, you know, are you going to go and, and, and really be locked into game planning and giving us everything you got, even if it's for two minutes or 22 minutes? And that's that's been his issue. And, and I think that he's risen to the occasion. Yeah, we'd love him to defend better. Yeah, we you know, do this, do that. But I make a couple more free throws would be nice. Um, but he's, he's really risen to the occasion and stepped up, and, and we, we have nothing but good things to say about what he's done these last couple of weeks when he's given, been given the opportunity. Oh, no doubt. It's been huge. And before you came on, we're kind of bickering about Charlotte, and, and, and it just seems just like a very, very kind of scary matchup, like you said, with a limited rotation. I mean, what sort of the – without revealing the game plan, I mean, what are you kind of seeing out of Charlotte and their personnel? How do you guys kind of attack their personnel with your lack of personnel? They run nine deep, very talented, one of the most experienced teams returning. I mean, what's kind of been the grumblings about this Charlotte game? Well, what you said just right there was that they're very talented. We we think uh, they're arguably, if not they are, the most talented team in our league, which is crazy to say for, what are they, like three and seven or whatever? Um 
You know, their, their record's not great. Uh, but that being said, you got to say you got four guys returning that started for them last year, okay? And one of them's not starting at all. Their, their two leading scorers are freshmen, and they weren't there. And then you throw in uh, Braxton Aboise, who is a, was sitting out last year as a transfer from Florida and, and can really play. You're, you're just – honestly, I've watched a ton of film on these guys. It's, it's hard for me to tell you why their record's not what it is. I mean, there's a couple little things that you can say this, that, or the other, but um, this is a very, very talented team that, that we're, we're extremely concerned about. It's not like your average, you know, under 500 team rolling in here. So um, this is a team that we feel like night in, night out could beat anybody in our league, home or away, but could also kind of lose to anybody in our league, home or away, because they've kind of showed that they would do that. Um, as far as, you know, what, what we're trying to do against these guys, one, one thing that is an issue for them uh, is they, like us right now with Williams being out, they don't have a ton of front court depth. They're two, the two guys that they start up there, uh, Willie Clayton and Mike Thorne, are excellent players and um, much better than what their stats would tell you. If you go back and watch them on film and, and you know, everybody that's in, in there Thursday night will see, these guys are highly talented, highly athletic, size, motors, um, really impressive uh, front court players. So they just don't have a ton coming off the bench. They're playing uh, Terrence Williams, who, who started for him last year at, at some, some power forward. He's about 6'5", very good player, um, but is really more like a small forward um, and, and kind of has to play that role. Uh, they'll play um, they'll play a guy that's really just gotten healthy, I, I believe. I don't know if he's been injured or what he's been out for, but it's a Clemson transfer, Bernard Sullivan, uh, is kind of yeah, playing his way back in. Yeah, he he can play, man. This guy was at Clemson and played for two years, and uh, you know he's he's kind of just getting into the rotation. This will be his fifth game on Thursday uh, that he's that he he will have played in. So that's that's a I don't want to say a weakness because it's actually a strong point. They're going to hammer it inside, but you know you get Clayton in foul trouble, Thorne gets in foul trouble, which we've been successful at doing this year with with Sed and and, and Vince and um, those guys just have a an ability to, to get guys in foul trouble with their physicality and, and, and Vince with his driving. So that's, that would be great. We're always trying to play inside out, no matter who we're playing. Um, it's, it's hard for me to give you very many weaknesses about them. Watch them off film. I hope they miss some shots. I agree. I agree, with them. I agree with you. <laughs> Definitely not. We, t- we talked about it earlier. We're talking about the roster and, and Anthony said, Oh, that, this is, this is not a 10 and three 13 team. And I, Echo that. I mean, this is definitely one of the most talented teams, surprising teams in the conference race. That I look at the conference race, I'm thinking, how in the hell is started this low? But that's why you play the games on the court. And uh, Coach DeWeese, and you'll see these guys out there on Thursday night, continuing the Conference USA slate. Coach, take your time and good luck this weekend and good luck the rest of your preparation. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. There you have it. Utah Assistant Coach Ken DeWeese. Give us a little insight uh, into what's going on with so the program I mean, around the injury and what's going on with Charlotte coming up tomorrow night. Uh, definitely a huge game. And like he said, you know, they're really worried about it. And they should be. I mean, you can't overlook anybody, no matter what their record is, no matter how well they're playing or how well they're not playing. Um, you know, Charlotte's going to come in here. They're going to be looking for the win. They're going to be hungry. And, and they're sure not going to take it easy on us. So we can't take it easy on them. We got to take it to them. We got to, you know, like we said, find that killer instinct. You know, jump out to a lead, put them away, and don't look back. That's that's pretty much it. And and you know, moving on to another conversation that we kind of had on on minor rush this week 
in the power rankings uh, thread was was talking about what the miners could possibly do. And there were some some different takes. You know, some people were saying, you know, I, I think they're going to lose three games still, three or four games down the stretch. You know, other people, I think maybe one or two. And myself, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm the homer of homers, so, you know, whatever. You can say whatever you want. I don't care. But <laughs> I'd be surprised to see us lose more than one game. I really would. I mean, look, I know we're thin. I know there's teams that are going to give us fit. But we're good enough to defend our home court. Even against Charlotte, who's very talented. Even against Old Dominion, who's played well at times this year. And, and other than that, there's not a lot. I mean, you got UTSA, who's starting to kind of peak, but I, I, I still think we'll be okay at home. I think it'd be different if we were playing them right now on the road. Real worried. But, but, you know, at home, these teams, I, I, look, it's not like they're pushovers. It's not like it's just a, a guaranteed win. But I think we should be able to defend our home court. Same thing with UNT and Rice at the end of the year. Um so then you're left with two two road games, Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss. If we lose to Southern Miss, they're, they're, I mean, it's just there's no excuse for it. To I'm, lose to Marshall and Southern Miss, that would be that would be inexcusable. So I don't think we will. I mean, the only game that really scares me is Louisiana Tech. Yep. That's it. And and it's because now, you know, the first time we played Louisiana Tech, or I should say, heading into that, we felt like we were going to be a much deeper team, and we were not. And so now we're we don't have any advantage on them. You know, before it was like, well, yeah, you guys have some great starters, but but you don't have a bench, so you know we're going to be able to outlast you and 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 play some great defense against you, wear you down, and eventually come up with the win. Pound you in the paint, and that's not the case. And so that's why they scare me. They're, they're so athletic at their guard position, and and it's just. That's going to be a very tough that's game. That's a but tough again, place to win too. Yeah, it is. Anytime you're on the road, but against a team like that. Come on, man. I mean, that, that that's the one game that, that I'm not going to say should be a loss, but that's the one game that is going to be very tough to win, in my opinion. I agree, because, I mean, really, the way, the way I look at it, the demeanor of this team has changed from those four games, from that two-game slide. That's my... That that's my case for the reason why I believe that they're only going to lose one game is because the demeanor's changed. You got three seniors that really have looked a part of being senior leaders the past couple of games. I'm going to throw that into that and into that argument too. You know, we're talented, but not only that, but we're getting guys that are caring about this, that are seeing that. Oh, damn, we just lost two games on the road. We shouldn't have, or not that we shouldn't have, but we had those. We should have won those games. We had opportunities. Let's not let, let that happen again. And you see that in these player interviews. You see that in the demeanor on the floor. You see that in some of their aggressive plays that, that we're making. It just we, that's got to come more consistently. And, and that's something that I think we're going to. That's the next part of this team. The consistency going into where I was talking about earlier, the, the killer instinct. That's all going to come into play. And I think right now, my side of it is the perfect storm is brewing for this streak to run with one questionable game with LaTeX. And I think that just like we said, as the season goes on, you kind of, you know, things kind of get, you understand things. And this team is sort of getting it. This team is sort of understanding the preparation of coming together. you got a lot of mixture of young and old on this team in a sense. And I think really you're just seeing that that improvement, and that's really where I feel. I just think the chemistry of this team is at a level where you can confidently say that these last seven games, that you have one game that you could possibly lose and you should win the rest just because of what's set up. So, it's, it, I mean, this is a very important stretch. I love this time of year, college basketball, whether it's UTEP's in it or not. I mean, this is the most important time. You talk about conference tournament, yes, but you want to get on a roll into that, especially this UTEP team that's 
been searching for that consistency, been searching for that signature win streak. Not so much as, uh, in my opinion, not so much a signature win, a signature win streak like last year where you go on an eight-game win streak yeah. and you set up an identity in that. And that's something that can carry this team on. And, and I believe just because of the chemistry, the leadership, and what I've seen over the past four games is why I would say it's, it's not stretch to go six and seven and finish out the season. Yeah, and you know what? College basketball is is all about getting hot at the right time. Yep. Um, of course, you'd like to go thirty and zero, but no, you know it's rare. It's rare that anybody does that. Even with Kentucky this year, they're struggling. But you know, supposedly they're the best team in the nation, hands down. They squatted everybody's on, you know an NBA tonight. starter and whatnot. Supposedly, but you know they barely beat LSU, and they've had a couple of those games. Um, but point is, it's all about getting hot at the right time. So. For a team like UTEP right now, with our, our third four-game win streak of the season, we, we, it couldn't be a better time to have the opportunity to get hot. Three games at home coming up. Two of the three games against teams that are under 500. Uh, I believe, right? UTSA is still under 500. No, right? actually, oh, that's 12 and 10. Okay, so so okay. They're sub 500 team. Whatever it is, you know. But you got you got some it's a couple winnable games. It's really it's a real opportunity, and we talked about it three weeks ago. You know, before we, when we came off those two losses, you know, as as down as we were, we talked about, look, it's time to put it back together and string together seven wins before you go play Louisiana Tech. And they've got that opportunity. And not only that, if Matt, I know we didn't get a ton of information on Matt, but if he can come back at, in that three-week time frame that we were talking about, which going to Louisiana Tech would actually be three and a half weeks after the injury, so... You'd hope that's enough time. I'm just going to guess that it's not because I'm going to guess that they'd rather save him yeah. than push him at 80%. That's the tone that I've been getting you know, from they, They're not going to want to just rush him back that way he you know, has a, a relapse. So, but, but if he could play, then you've got an opportunity to stretch that win streak even further. Not that you don't have it without him, but, I mean, that's a really element that's added to, to the equation. And and so look, it, it's time to put it all together, man. You've got some winnable games, three in a row at home. It, get past everything that's happened this season, and, and just put it together, man. And and not only look, we talked about NCAA tournament. Even if we went out to the championship game, I think our bad losses are too much to overcome. I really do. If if you would have said that we didn't lose to Marshall, maybe. If you would have said we didn't lose to Marshall or NMSU, I'd say we'd have a real good opportunity. But those two bad losses are are going to weigh us down when it comes to the bubble and whatnot. So, you know, right now it's about building a resume, not just for for the NCAA tournament, but the NIT. Yeah. And, of course, nobody wants to be in the NIT. I understand that. We That's not what we're aiming for. But we got one shot at the NCAA tournament, in my opinion. That's win the conference tournament. So short of that – you got to build your resume so you're not in here trying to make a decision of, well, do we want to go to the CBI? This team is better than that. Way you know, better so, than so that. prove it right now. Don't leave anything on the table. You know, what happens in the conference tournament will happen. But short of that, you know, short of a win in that, in that tourney, let's, let's put our best foot forward and make sure that we at least make it into the NIT. I agree. And I think you can go as far back as August, September in our podcast where we talked about this particular weekend. Because we're thinking Charlotte's going to come in and be uh, in the top four. Yeah. And you have, I mean, you could go back and, and, and I know we've talked about this. I mean, now the stakes are higher because we're here. 
But, I mean, this is that perfect weekend to get. I mean, now what's in front of us, we look back in August and we're thinking, well, these could be two top 100 RPI wins and, yep. you know, two teams coming in with, with almost spotless records. Well, now you only have one of them, but you have a team that's very capable of beating you on Thursday, and then you have an RPI booster on Saturday of an old Dominion. That's a, they're, they're a good team. They're not even as consistent as the record shows, in my opinion. But, I, I mean, agree. this is that perfect opportunity this weekend, and you got to seize it. These seniors got to fill it. I hope there's 10,000, no less than 10,000 both these games. That I mean, that's my that's my attendance expectation. I don't always talk about that in the threads and whatnot, but I, I just really think you get 10,000 people for both these games, this team will react to that. They'll get that energy. It's going to feel all the way down to the coaching staff, to the 15th man, the 12th man, when we have, what, eight guys. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying. So huge, huge weekend. I'm fired up. Look up for it. I've been waiting for this weekend since the schedule came out. Because like I said, you, you look at it before, before the season and, Charlotte has nine guys coming back, four starters. You're thinking, damn. And then, with, I mean, they played a tough schedule. So you, you know that they were going to come in with a couple of, you know, maybe six, seven losses. But, I mean, this is just a big opportunity for UTEP, just like you're saying, to get on that roll. And it's time. It, it, it's been time. But, I mean, this season has gone by so fast. Here we are, and we've got seven games left. You know what I mean? Like, it, it seems like. It seems like yesterday we were like waiting for Arizona to be in the house. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and then December nineteenth, man. Yep. And and so it's just crazy. The season's coming down to an end. Um, but let's let's move on a little bit. I want to start wrapping up the show. I want to run down the power rankings real quick this week, which continue to get better, man. And I love it. You know, reaching out to more and more beat writers, bloggers. You know, just people that that cover Conference USA in their schools, and it, it makes. For a better rankings, man. It it, it, it it was one thing when we had all UTEP guys, and it was kind of obviously orange heavy, you know. But and even though it still is a little bit, rightfully so, it's a UTEP a UTEP site here at Minor Rush. But regardless, you know, it, it's 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 gotten so good. This week we had twelve voters, right? Is that right? Twelve. Yeah, twelve. Um, and Louisiana Tech came in at number one, but it was close. Surprisingly, in my opinion, extremely surprisingly. Look, I understand UAB won by 20. I get it. That's fine. You know, but really? Like, you really think UAB is number one? Like, no really? Way. I don't, I don't now. get it. I respect every one of our voters. I do. I have the utmost that's respect. Like, that's table, like, that's but... like giving Marshall credit for beating yeah. That's like I'm not saying not giving them credit. They they played great to win the game. But I'm talking about giving them credit in the rankings to say, oh, they're number six or five now because they beat you. No, man. It doesn't work like that. Because they're, they're almost game. there. I'll give them. I mean, this is a very talented UAB team with yeah, a lot no, of weapons. Yeah, they're a top but, team in the league. But I just think I, I still put in my personal uh, votings. I put Old Dominion second and UTEP third. I just think that's just the way that this league is right now for this particular I think, week. I think I still gave Western Kentucky the props. I and dropped them up because there. they lost. I dropped them down. Yeah, that was, a, because that, they was lost. A, that was a bad loss, man. I don't know how you do that. I mean, it's one thing I can't excuse the miners for losing at Marshall, but at least it's at Marshall. Exactly. You know, exactly. how do you lose to, to to a bottom feeder at home? Where well, they had been undefeated and pretty much took care of all the big dogs at home. That's why I dropped. Not and it was it was kind of just like I did when UTEP lost to. To Marshall, I dropped UTEP down to six yeah, because, I, I mean, it, it's, bad, it's bad losses for that week. I agree. Especially on a win streak where that Western Kentucky was on. Maybe not, uh, you know, a consecutive win streak, but they were on a nice little streak there. So, I mean, it's 
it's getting tougher each week. I know yeah. right after that, uh, La, La Tech, Western, or no, the, uh, well, yeah, when after the La Tech UAB game went down and then when Rice knocked out Western Kentucky, I sent a tweet out to all of our voters. Good yeah. luck. Because <laughs> I had to sleep on and, it. And then somebody, week. I can't remember who it was. Somebody's like, I'm just Jordan, gonna throw, I'm throwing dart. I'm just going to throw a dart. Oh, Jordan, oh, yeah. But, man. you know, Louisiana Tech comes in at number one with six first place votes. And UAB was right behind them uh, with five first place votes. Uh, both come in at nine and two in the league. Obviously, Louisiana Tech is better has a better overall record at eighteen and six, while UAB starts at eleven. Both of them deserve respect. Neither of them are an easy out. What's going to be tough is having to go out there to play the conference tournament at UAB. I hope we don't have them early on in the tournament because that's going to be extremely tough. Uh, but you know, we got a few weeks to prepare for that. Western Kentucky comes in at number three, which I think is where I had them. I just I think I have Old Dominion and UTEP switch, but Old Dominion comes in at number four, UTEP at number five. UTSA, which which I had at number six since last week, yeah, you, yeah. and I, and I told you that, and you said you know if they if they sweep these games and I'll buy in, and they did, I'll and then you got to give them those props. Senior leadership, I think that they those two seniors they have in the middle, Jerome Hill and Cosborn Sherman. Those, I mean that's a force. Yeah, that's a force to have in this particular conference, and that right there that scares me going into the, into our game next sure. weekend. And then like I said though, I'm just glad we have them here now. Yeah, because exactly. they're obviously peaking. They're playing extremely well right now. But I'm glad we have them in the yep. Don rather than have to go out to UTS uh, to, to San Antonio again. Uh, Middle Tennessee slides come in at number seven now. A lot of Rice, people have them at six, Middle Tennessee. Rice makes a jump up to number eight, rightfully so, I guess, after that win over uh, Western Kentucky. And they're, they're four and six in the league, so I guess that's right around where the eighth team in the conference should be, I guess, in this league. Um, in 2015. <laughs> in 2015. But, you know, great win for them. They come up. They move up three spots this week. FIU comes in at number nine. Charlotte at number 10. Marshall at number 11, moving up a couple spots as well. And then North Texas, FAU, and Southern Miss round out the bottom of the conference. I think Southern Miss and, and FAU are in a, in a dogfight there for the last spot, man. Oh, and I, I thought it was this week. That, oh, yeah, they do play this week. That's right. They do play this week. Battle of the bottom? The, actually, all three battle of the bottom will, will be well, – Three of the four, the three of our bottom teams will fight off of the Florida schools, come to Texas for their Texas two-step, and that's a pillow fight. All right, here we go. We go over some games tomorrow night, starting with FAU at La Tech. La Tech's favored by 15 and a half. That's a lot of points. I don't know if they cover or not, yeah. but what do you think? I don't think they cover, but I think they win between 10 and 12 points. FIU should have a little bit of confidence. Maybe left over from that UTEP game. Uh, Dennis Maven may come out and hit a couple of shots. That's going to be key. But LaTex pressure, LaTex pressure is just, I mean, it just wear on you. And, and it didn't on UAB, but a team like FIU, I think I'll have an opportunity to do that. Middle Tennessee at Rice. Uh, Rice got to be riding high after that last win. They actually come in as a home dog. Uh, Middle Tennessee favored by three. I'm going to just take a shot here and go with Rice, man. I'm going to say that their confidence is, is riding high, and, you know, they they played some team stuff at home, and Middle Tennessee just, I mean, they just haven't done it for me this year, man. I know they got a great defense and whatnot, but I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. I'm going to take Rice. I'm going to go with Middle. I, I think I agree with you on that, but I think that defense, they're, the way that they can defend their guards, they can match up well with Rice's guards. I think Middle pulls out a very close one, but it's not surprising if Rice knocks them off. This is Rice, like you said, they're playing with confidence. Big win last week. That type of win for a team like Rice with a new coach could do wonders. And I think that this could be a turning game, but I got to go with middle. I got to go with, with Kermit Davis' defense. This shows a lot right here. UAB at North Texas, 8 p.m. tip-off in Denton. 
UAB is only favored by four. And and for you that think that, that UAB is the best team in the conference, I'll tell you one thing. The best team in the conference would not be favored by only four points in that game. And Vegas, 99 times out of 100, knows what they're talking about. So they're expecting this to be a close game. I do, too. What do you think, man? Is this a game that UAB might end up you know, falling asleep and, and getting upset? I, I think I think they, they could possibly do with La Tech. They can fall asleep in the first half and then let North Texas kind of dictate the pace of it. And then North Texas likes to get up and down. So that could kind of be a scary game. But I think UAB right now is just on a, a different level as far as, as not letting those type of games get to them, even though they're young. But that's one thing, too. If they're a young team, will they fall victim of that? But I, I got to go with UAB. It won't be easy. I think North Texas will jump out to a lead early. But I think UAB's ability to, to, to keep guys out of the paint and to force you to shoot shoot with uh, Mahaney in the middle, I think that's going to be North Texas' downfall. I got UAB on real close. Yeah, I, exactly. maybe they I, 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 I got to agree with you. You know, And I think we've made the comparison a couple times with UAB and, and Tulsa from last yeah. year. And and that's kind of where they're at. They're just playing well at the right time, and they they're putting it together. And I do think they're gonna fall asleep early. I really do. I I think this is gonna be a, like you said. It's gonna be a close game. Um, I think they're gonna kind of. This is a game where you can very easily overlook your opponent. But I think North Texas is gonna give them a game. UAB will end up putting it, pulling it out at the end. But that should be that should be a good one to watch. Also at six uh, p.m. Mountain Time, eight Eastern, Old Dominion at UTSA. Look out for this one. Man. I got a, I had a surprise pick for you. One. I got a surprise pick. Is, is favored by four, and me being a UTSA hater. <laughs> I'm going to say Old Dominion, but what do you think? I think UTSA pulls an upset. I, like I said, their senior leadership, I, I take a big stock in that because a guy like Jeremy Hill missed all last season. You know, they had sort of an opportunity with the way the bracket uh, set, up, set up last year where they could have possibly made a run in the Conference USA tournament. I think that guy, it, 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 I think it's four or five back-to-back double-doubles. That's huge. That's Vince Hunter impact. Yeah. For a guy like Jeremy Hill that's 6'10", 240, 250, whatever it is, Old Dominion struggles scoring and stretches. Yeah, and I think they have some great scores, and I don't understand how they do. But I think this is a game that that happens again, and I think UTSA wins the game, pulls this out in a game that's in the, in the high 50s, mid-60s. I really, really think I, I, would, I wouldn't go to Vegas with my paycheck on it, <laughs> but I think UTSA, I would really – not be surprised if UTSA is able to pull out a grinded out slug defensive slug fest. In that I wouldn't game. be surprised either, but I do think Old Dominion is going to come up with the win. I, I, this is not a game that they can lose if they're trying to finish oh, no. the top four of the conference. And I don't want UTSA to win because I want the RP. <laughs> I want the they, they, UTSA is what two thirty, two forty. To be honest, Old Dominion is going to drop to yeah, the eighty. Like it even doesn't matter. At but this point, RPI doesn't mean anything. But you know, it's a, it's kind of a double edged sword because. UTSA loses and they're they're gonna drop an RPI yeah. and so you've got to win against the worst team. You know they win and their their RPI is gonna boost up, not into the top hundred or anything, but their RPI is gonna get boosted. And now you got to win over a little bit of a better team. So it it, it works both ways. But I, I do think Old Dominion just needs it more. Oh yeah. And and I think they'll find a way to win. Last game of the night. Well, I shouldn't say last game of the night. It's UTEP also, but FIU at Southern Miss. Um, FIU has, has played well in stretches. They're favored by two at Southern Miss, and I think they're going to roll at, at Southern Miss. I, I was reading on the I was either a tweet or a message board that Southern Miss is down to six players, like six players that people like knew about, or maybe even six scholarship players. So yeah, I agree. The team, the FIU team that I saw competing against UTEP will definitely thrash Southern Miss. What is that? A two? Oh, it's only a two. Two point. Last game of the night. 
right here in El Paso, Charlotte at UTEP. UTEP's your favorite. You know, UTEP hasn't done very well covering the, the spread these last few weeks, so I wouldn't really expect them to do that. But I do think they're going to come come away with another win. I, again, this is like Old Dominion. Uh, it's not a game that they can afford to lose, and they've got the luxury of playing at home. So I really, I really think UTEP will win this game. I mean, it's hard for me to say that, but with the way this team's been playing, I mean, I, I got to agree with you, but it, it just it, a lot of things have to go the Miners' way. A lot of things have to go the Miners' way, but at the same token, we don't know where Charlotte's at mentally as far as, you know, I, I wrote in the game preview where they, I feel they still have a chance at the tournament, and I'm hoping, and I really hope for the sake of, of a good tournament or the sake of, of the Charlotte program that these guys aren't packing it in and realize that they have a talented team to make some runs. So, to me, that's kind of the biggest oh, deal. That, man. I didn't that, say bet over UTEP. I'm just saying they have that opportunity. They have that nah, roster. But, man, I mean, that's this is a tough game to pick. I, I, put, I put UTEP favored by three in the game preview. I'm going to stick by it. The only way I, I see this game going two ways, UTEP wins a close game or Charlotte rolls. I hope that's the only way I see it. I don't know why most. I don't know why I see stuff like that, but I really feel that that's the way either UTEP pulls out a close one or Charlotte rolls. I just hope I'm Charlotte hope- doesn't roll. <laughs> I just hope Charlotte doesn't roll. I'll be real. You, you real and Coach Floyd. But there you have it. Another good episode of the Rush Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, got to talk to Coach Ken DeWeese. Got a little bit of insight. We talked some UTEP football recruiting and and how that class is shaping up in the roster and UTEP basketball. Busy weekend, man. Busy weekend coming up. Get busier with spring ball around the corner. We're trying to get some. We'll try to get a couple of, of some either a coach or a player. Let us know who you guys want to talk to. If spring ball comes in. I mean, this is probably one of the most important spring balls in UTEP's recent history. Yeah, am I no right? Doubt about it. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. If you want it. to hit us up, you know where to find us. Minorrush.com, sbnminorrush at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at sbnminorrush, facebook.com slash minorrush. And wherever else you want to find us, if, if you guys want to help us out, write for us, be a contributor, uh, you know, whatever it might be. If you have thoughts, comments, suggestions, requests, whatever it is, hit us up. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what we could do better. And just continue to support and build a minor nation, man. You guys heard it here. The Rush Podcast. I'm Anthony Salome. And for Alex Nicholas, pack the dawn. We out.